0: The sermon text this morning comes from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what was happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid." how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Christian.
1: What a weird text, right? Like I was, thank you, Scott. Um... Yeah, what a text. I've never preached on this before, and This week I was sick, and I just had the opportunity to just sit and think about it. I think this is the first sighting of Smeagol, right? I think it's the first time. He's in the caves, around the tombs, this man who has this progression of evil inside of him, right? Crazy text, you know? Um, But but I'll I'll say this. I don't know if you know this, but in seminary, you have to take two languages, Greek and Hebrew, and It's 107 hours of a master's program. Most masters are around 60. That tells you. So it's it's a long it's a long process. Guess how many classes on evil and spiritual warfare I had in 107 hours? Zero. So I'm well equipped to be up here in front of you (laughs) to teach you about evil in this text. I mean, I'm so excited how equipped I am. I'm joking. No, really, though, the last five years, a lot of you know I've been studying with a man named Dan Allender, and Dan talks about evil a lot. Now, he, he, um, he deals with trauma, and he teaches a style of dealing with that trauma, and as, as I've been there, my eyes have been opened more and more to my, uh, the evil that's, that's really marred my life and put its impact in me, and I'm learning the healing process and that and been doing a lot of healing. But more and more, it's put me in front of many of you. And I've seen the wreckage of evil, just the hardships, the struggles, the pain and the ongoing just dismi- what, what is this? What is this? 30, 38,000 people, whatever it is today, ha- you know and, and I read a book this morning, even and it talked about evil they, the, the definition of, of evil is anything that brings suffering. Any, anything that will bring harm and suffering to, to, to humanity. It's evil. There's so much evil around us, so much suffering. How are we to deal with it? And again, I I got one goal today, and it's the goal I've had for myself all all week. I just want us to think more about it. I'm going to introduce us, and, and you'll see, this is not one of those passages you keep going back to, and there's these Greek nuggets in it, and there's all these cool things to see and pull out. It's not one of those. Like, you know, there are little things here, and there are little subtleties that are beautiful. This text is way bigger than me. And so I went to some other passages and, and other preachers and, and tried to learn a lot about what evil is and how are we, how are we to understand, just begin to think about it a little more, and then, and then how does Jesus speak to it in this passage? How does he speak to it in our own lives today? So again, we're going to look at the power, the pattern, and the purpose of evil, and I'm going to try to match that with, with Jesus and his presence. So again, I'm going I'm to dive in, and we're going to just start looking at it. Uh, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It's from the Screwtape Letters, you know, his book where he, it's a demon and, you know, these demons and how they influence humans and things. Read it with, oh, I'll read it to you. It says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. That's the first evil. That's the first wrong is to, to not believe in, in, in the devils. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both eras, and hell, a materialist or a magician, with the same delight. And isn't that true? Don't you, don't you all have that weird friend who just sees demons behind everything, right? right? And then for most of us, though, when I think about city church, for us, we don't really talk about evil. We don't talk about the darkness a lot of times. We we definitely talk about the impact of evil and and the struggles there, but in general, I wonder for us as a a congregation, when I think about what what might be our, where's our error? Where do we lean? I think think it's on the side of, aren't we kind of embarrassed to talk about it? I was a little embarrassed to preach this. Like, we're going to talk about that? I don't even know how to start. Like, you know, talking to our neighbors about evil, but it's in our face every day. How, how can we not? Right? And so, again, I just want us to begin to think about it a little more. That's going to be my goal as we, as we go through this and, and dive in. So, we want to, I want us to believe there's evil and there's a, there's a strategic presence that would want to kill, still, wait, kill and destroy. I know some, some of my dislikes came out there. Um, destroy. Um, yeah. And so, and, and, and begin to look at it more. Um, and, and most of our neighbors, if if they're honest with us, they would say, okay, I'm sorry if you're here and you were invited by a member of the church and you're not, you're not one that believes in Jesus, maybe you would even think, yeah, the Bible has all kind of stuff like this. That's the very primitive old way of looking at things like, that guy had mental illness. We got like four of those on the corner down there begging for money, right? Like, that's, that's the old way. We're much more advanced now. We understand it's just mental illness. That's all that's happening in the passage. And what we would say is, no, actually, look at Matthew 4 with me. Matthew 4, 24, it says this. So Jesus, his fame spread throughout all of Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures. You know what the word for seizures is? Lunatics lunatics. It's people not in their right mind. And, and we, they use the word seizures, the, the, well, the Greek word that we're calling seizures here, to mean all of the different mental disorders that, were fa- that they saw around them. And so this word, we, we call it seizures in the ESV for some reason. Other translations translate a little differently. And paralytics, and, and they healed them. And, and what I would say to you is actually, instead of being archaic and outdated the Bible actually provides a very robust understanding of evil. And the fact that, e- that evil in God is being taken out of the conversations has really dumbed down, unfortunately, our understanding. And now every issue is just a natural issue. Right? The, the guy shot up the school. Okay. His parents didn't love him enough. No, guys. No, there's something else at play here. And taking God and sin and evil out of the conversation has, has watered us down so much that we don't know how to speak to the issues anymore. Therefore, we don't know how to bring healing to them. You see that? And, and so that's, as we're starting, we're, the power of evil is in the subtlety. It's so subtle. At, at least for us. Right? Most of it's It's subtle. When you look at the newspaper, it's right in your face, right? Or when someone gets shot and right in front of your house, it feels like it's right in front of your face. But for the most part, with how it interacts in the ordinary Christian's life, because evil can't have power over a Christian. A a demon cannot have power over us. It can influence us, but it can't have power over us. So the subtlety, the small hairline cut over and over and over is where Christians find themselves not knowing how they got to where they are. That's the power of evil, friends. It's these little things that... Let's take evil out of the conversation. Let's take God out of the conversation. Look at Ephesians 6.12 here. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Friends, it's invisible. There is a force, a power... that that Scripture says that we wrestle with, that we don't see. Just as we don't see God, we don't see evil in the same way. And so therefore the subtlety of it ends up taking us down this slope of where we, we don't know how we got where we are. That's Ephesians 6. So we lose the complexity and now becomes a human understanding of how to deal with things. And you know, the main three, I'm just going to give us three ways that we typically deal with it. The first one's psychological. He's got daddy issues, which I do have daddy issues. Many of us do, right? Right. There is a psychological component to much of evil, right? Um, and then there's a political or sociological right, a component where, man, if we just have education for the masses... Then, then kids won't have sex anymore, or they won't do drugs anymore, right? Education will fix it. Social reforms. If we just bring ref- reforms to these different areas. If we take Haiti, if we just give them money, it'll fix the country of Haiti. You know, we've given more money than, than, like, than anywhere else in the world we've given to Haiti. And, and Haiti is an absolute mess. But because we take evil out of it, there is, it's just this simple. We'll throw our money at it, and, and it'll fix it, Right? Again, this is way bigger than, than as simple as I'm making, and I apologize. I, I don't mean to call Haiti evil at all. I've been to Haiti, actually, and there is a lot of evil there, just like there is here. But my point is is you can't throw money at an issue like that when, when earthquakes and the different ways it's happened in that country and expect it to just be different. See, that, that's too one-dimensional to deal with the problem there. So psychological, pol- political, social reforms, education, funding, physiological. If we just take a pill... It'll make us different. And, and, I, and again, guys, I've taken pills for depression. I have. I, I, I work out so I'm not depressed, actually. There are things that I do for my body to care for myself in those areas. But again, we can't just have that approach. But that's what happens when we take evil and God out of the conversation. It's, it's one of these. You know, I, I like verse 3. It says this. This man, he lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore. By that sentence, guys. No one could bind him anymore. Think of the story behind that, the years. He lived in the tombs that where dead people are. And nobody could subdue him anymore. The change didn't work. He broke them. Nobody could do that anymore. And 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 I, friends, I'm just telling you, I think that's where our neighbors are. That's where a lot of us are. And that's in my office. I have people come in all the time. I'm so tired of struggling. I want to be different. I don't want to do this anymore. I had a guy last week, the pornography struggle is so deep, and it's been years. He's seen therapist after therapist, and he's not different, and he's so tired of struggling. So tired of it. And I, I think we're all weary of that. And so maybe there's a, there's another there's a, another, a bigger understanding of what's happening, what's going on. And, and again, I, w- I wish I didn't overpromise to to fix, to bring it all together, but maybe there's more. Like, can we begin to think maybe there's more to it? Maybe it's not so simple. So that's the power of evil. There's this subtle power that's unseen that is after us, and, but there's a pattern to it. And that, that pattern is, is, is in our text. Mark, Mark's normally very quick. There's these short stories, and he wants to show you the authority of Jesus. But in all the Gospels, this, this passage is in many of the Gospels, and the synoptics, three of them, and, and it's, very, it's a lot shorter. Mark actually goes through, this is the longest exorcism in all of ancient history. It's right here in our passage. So Mark, for some reason, doesn't slow down. He gives us, I mean, excuse me, he doesn't speed up. He gives, he slows down and gives us the full picture here. And, and I think he's showing us a pattern to how evil works. And what is that pattern? Friends, evil gives you strength. It will make you strong. There's no doubt. Well, you know, there's plenty of movies that talk about, you know, you make a deal with the devil, deal with the devil and you get this. Jesus' temptations. He, Satan promises all these things that would make Jesus this powerful, ruling authority, right? Which is so ironic, right? I mean, but, but yes, it does make you strong. But interestingly enough, it also makes you weak. And I'm like, what? What, what am I talking about, right? Um, but no one could bind him, it says. No one. He is so strong. Chains. He, has, he seemingly is incredible hulk. I told you, it's a weird passage. we got Smeagol, we got Incredible Hulk. It's this, he is this mass, uh, somehow nothing can hold, nothing can contain him anymore. He has this strength that's so much bigger than him, yet he cries out. Yet he has this weakness. Yet he's not as much as himself as he used to be, right? This strength that has led to this inner division, this inner losing of himself. Right? And, what, and what I want us to hear here is that evil seems to have this continuum. No one could bind him. And here's the scary word, friends, anymore. For the longest time, you could bind him. But not anymore. On and on and on, this man has progressively gotten stronger and stronger and stronger. And nothing anymore will bind him. And now we're just sending him out there because we can't deal with him. Does that look like anything in our society, right? We're just gonna get get it out of here. We're we're afraid of it. It might hurt us. He might hurt himself. Whatever. Let's get away from it. And so there's there seems to be this continuum. And before we think it's about just somebody who's out of their mind, I want to offer these two thoughts. First Timothy says, First Timothy says that be careful the proud fall under the temptation of evil, under the trap, the snare of evil, of the devil. Um, Ephesians says, the bitter are those who hold a grudge. They give a foothold to Satan. Timothy and Ephesians, both talking to the church, say when we're proud, when we hold grudges, when we hold bitterness in our heart, a snare happens. There's a snare and you step in it and now that influence grabs you and it grabs your heart and it begins to influence us some kind of way, to say it quickly. And so again, this man, he's down here. He is this man who's, he's a Gentile, right? So that's why pigs are in it. Like, he's capitalist He's outside of the Jewish area now. He's in an area where it's just Gentiles. And, and it's amazing that Jesus goes there and brings healing in this way. But here, this man for years has been separated and now separated from himself. And he's growing stronger and weaker at the same time. and, and, I want to pull us in to say that when we look at a bigger picture of Scripture, all of us can fall into a temptation similar to this. There, there are snares set for all of us. And, and Scripture says, if don't give in to them. Don't allow that kind of thing there because there's a continuum. And we don't want to get to the place where a story I heard, I, I've been a part of recently where I've been counseling some people, where a pastor took his own life in front of another pastor because he, he was holding a grudge horrible, isn't it? A pastor, a man, and I listened to his church talk about him for two hours. You should have heard the things they said about this man. How incredible, how, oh, I felt so loved and cared for. He took his own life in front of two people to get back at this man. Guys, evil is that powerful. It can, it can grab us and begin to take us down this road. And for those of us who don't know Jesus, those those who are here like there's such a warning here such a warning because this man who didn't know him now look at how far he continues to go and friends this is our definition of hell hell is not some place god just throws people in hell is the place where god says okay have it your way okay you don't want life with me okay and progressively It just bounds us and takes us into that dark, horrible place. So again, we must bring evil back into the conversation. And this pattern is, it gives strength, but it begins to divide. And so let's talk about this division. Let's talk about this fragmentation, that evil, when it begins to work on us, happens. It's that that person who, you, you look at me as a pastor, and then there are times where you're like, man, how could he dare be a pastor, the way he's yelling at his kids right now? You see the division? One way, if you sit with me here, and another way that my kids would experience me. Or, or, or the person who is one way when he's home and then he travels for a living, and all of the things that come in in the secrecy of their heart. That division, it happens. Where there's, this is true of me, but then this is becoming true of me. I'm strong in these areas. I'm becoming weak in these really important areas. This division, and I'm telling you, all of us have them. Everyone in here, we know we can't change ourselves. There are places we feel stuck. We're places where evil is is leaning in on us and its influence is there. And we must understand the pattern. Because, uh, again, the proud, the bitter, the grudge, it gets a foothold, and there's a pattern. The strength that we get that then makes us weak. And finally, what's the purpose? And, and guys, I, I went to Tim Keller on this, the pigs, Okay? I did. Tim Keller's this amazing preacher. I think he's probably one of the best ever to live. He's still alive. Um, my son Keller is named after Tim Keller because um, he's one of my heroes. I learned the gospel from him. I fell in love with the church through his ministry. And um, Tim Keller said he read 25 commentaries on the pigs and different resources, and he has no idea what it means. So I have no idea what this scene on the pigs means. And I'm not even going to try. I read one commentary on it because he said he read 25 and I just took his word for it. So, um, yeah. But what can we know, though? What can we know on the purpose of evil? One is, I think there's something beautiful hidden with the pigs. Notice that immediately the pigs run off and die. They run off and kill themselves. That's what evil wants, friends. It wanted to kill its host. It wanted to destroy this man. As soon as they get in the pigs dead, they die. The host dies. That's the purpose of evil. Ultimately, our death. To still, to kill, destroy. I sound crazy, don't I? I feel crazy. I mean, that's what it wants. is for us to to not have his image. Or anybody who has his image to, to take it out. To kill it. No longer have it. Um, and again, my goal today is to get us thinking about that. How is evil strategizing here? Where is it, what's its strategy in your life? What's its pattern of pursuing you? Where has it promised you strength? Where is it weakening your heart and your will? Where is it? You know where it, it also does? You notice the man comes up. He, he sees Jesus from afar, and he runs up to him. He kneels down. You remember what he says? He says, don't torment me. That's exactly what Satan would would want us to believe, that if you bring your struggles, your hardships to your Savior, he's going to torment you. It it, it wants to get in the way of God's grace. See, one thing about God's grace, I've always heard if you're preaching it correctly, it would feel as if you could do whatever you want and he would still forgive you. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? That's, if you're preaching it correctly, it feels like you could do whatever you want and Jesus would still forgive you. That's how good his kindness is. It's not true now. I mean, it is true that he would forgive you, but that's not how it works, right? We don't go on sinning because of his forgiveness. Right? His love changes us. But Satan wants to get in the way of that. He wants to obscure his kindness and his grace. That's why our, my, our scripture readings today were about kindness and care and the way he, he does not slumber. He doesn't look away. And so his goal is to destroy God's image. It is to kill the host. It is to divide us. You know the word legion? You know what it means? Like if, if they were using it in the Roman, if the Roman, it's a, it's a, it's a military word, and the Romans, were, if they said legion, at one point it meant 3,800 people in the army, and then at one point it meant up to 8,000. So that's how many demons, or whatever, has divided this person. 3,500 plus of evil inside of this man. And don't you love that it still can't kill him at this point? That the image of God is, even at that point, after all these years, still so much more powerful than 2,000 pigs. So beautiful, right? So, how are we to deal with it? If if that's the power and the subtlety, and this, this um, pattern of giving strength to divide... To, to wear you down over time to make you more and more less of your humanity to, to make you more the simplistic view and shell of yourself if that's his purpose to divide and conquer the image of God what are we to do with it and I just again I want to I want to look at what Jesus does his power pattern and purpose um, and and it starts that every human has dignity every human I know I skipped ahead there earlier but every human they can't they don't take out this man initially, right? There's, he is holding on there, um, and every human has it. Um, again, he, he runs and he kneels, and I, I love the scene. They get out of the boat, and this man who's in the tombs sees Jesus, and he comes to him. Here's the first thing. The first thing of, of power that we need And the power that Jesus shows is, one, there's this attraction to him. There's this, we're drawn to him. We want to be near him. And then he gets to Jesus, and this story, if you didn't know, there are many, many demonic exorcisms in ancient literature. This isn't the only one. There are are Roman writers, there are many of them, who try these different incantations, and they call on this higher power. And just like Scott said last week, it's a repetition this week, Jesus doesn't call on a higher power. He is the higher. Power. He says, "Get out of this man," and he's the higher power that we, that responds to the image of God in this man and brings out this legion, these thirty eight hundred plus uh, demons or whatever. And his his pattern is different. His pattern is that there's one. It's not his strength that makes you weak. That Jesus he reverses it. There's a weakness that makes us strong. A weakness. Now, I want you to think about it with me real quick. If you play out the book of Mark, you start to see two stories that look very similar. This man is in the graves. He's outside. He's isolated, naked, screaming, alone. At the end of our story of Mark, Jesus is stripped naked. He's nailed open. He's cut with the rocks and the lashes. He's isolated, and finally he dies and goes to the tomb. Do you see that the different pattern that we have here? It's not a strength that leads to weakness. It's one who becomes weak and takes on the infirmities and the story and the sin and evil of this man and ends up in the same place he was. And that is now the pattern that makes us strong, is us taking this Jesus who died for in our place and, and was became this demonic man in our place so that we could have his, his strength and his image restored in us. That's the new pattern we're given. And you know one of the things I love is when people come to me for counseling, you know, I, there's a point in it where I walk through their story. I always say you learn your past to name your present to create your future. I love just that. That's my, that's my counseling style. I go back in your story, help you understand the things that, that show up today. Like, we want to draw a clear line. But w- somewhere in this point, what we begin to see is your past is influencing your present, but now how do we change? And my favorite thing is to, to see the wounds and the evil in a person's story and then give them Jesus in that place. It is is some of the most powerful times in my office. It's not just to say, hey, guys, Jesus loves you, but to see the places where all of us have have been hurt and harmed and experienced horrible things and then went on to inflict horrible things and to bring in Jesus to that place, this pattern of the one who's willing to die for you, the one who you put at the center, brings strength and care into your life, right? The one who through death brings res- resurrection. That is one of my favorite times to do with people, is to help them in their story in that way. And so again, one of my goals is to get us thinking. To get us thinking that there's a purpose. There's a power, and there's a plan after your heart. After your children's hearts. After this community. The systems even in and around Atlanta. There's a pan a plan, and a power to influence that towards darkness. But we have one who has a greater power and who has called us to, to embody that life, death, and resurrection to empower us to now go out for his purpose, to go into that darkness as his people. You see what happens at the end? This is this man becomes an apostle. Now, he's not ever listed as an apostle. You know what an apostle is? It's a person who actually sees, who's with Jesus... And he's called to go. This man is an apostle. Think about it. He's like, no, you can't follow me, but you go and tell them how I was merciful to you. And, and again, that's, that's the shape. We take the weakness in that becomes strength in us, and then we go and we tell of his mercy. We tell of it. We talk about his power, his plan, and his purposes in, in the lives around us, no matter what's going on here. And so I, I do just want to leave you with a few things. Just practically, one is that you would just consider and give more weight to the, the plan of evil in your life. I wonder for you if you slowed down and thought about it. You know, for me, it, alcohol is just not an issue. Alcohol has never been an issue for me. That's, that's not where I'm going to stumble. There are other places where I will stumble. What about for you? What, what, is, what is his plan? What, how is he weakening your will, getting you out of the mission he's called you to, separating things in your home, dividing things inside of you, what is his plan? I just wonder if, if, if you know, the, the saying is, is we're all wounded in community and we'll be healed in community. I just wonder what the community is around you that can help you begin to understand those places and to, and to watch out for the one who seeks to devour. That's the first one. It's just to begin to, to understand that pattern in your own life. And, and the next one is, you know, one of the corrections we're making as a session is we, we talk about emotional health being an, a value here. And, we, and, and it's not that it's not True, it is. We love emotional health, but not at the expense of physical health or spiritual health. What we're saying now, the word we want to use is this word wholeness. We, we, we want to fight for just the whole person, the whole discipleship in all of us to be healthy in all of these areas. And so we want to pursue wholeness as a body. What would that look like for us to do that together in our DNA groups, in our neighborhood communities, in those places, to have a holistic view of, of healing for each of us and what we're called to um, and then lastly, just personally for you guys, I, again, I think, I think evil wants, wants your attention off of Jesus. And, the, and so to put it on other things, right? So what, what does it look like for you to give your attention to him? And, and it's simple, friends. It's prayer. It's scripture. I just want to stop you and just ask, what does prayer and scripture look like in your, in your heart, in your life? What's the pursuit of those things, the time, the weight you give to reflecting and seeing Jesus for yourself on, on, on behalf of your own heart? I was convicted on that today. Um, but yeah, so our, 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 our God has given us access. And i close with this. I had a couple in my office about a year ago, and the wife came basically to tell me she's divorcing the man. That's the only reason she came. I'd been seeing the man for a while. And she showed up, and this is what she said. She said, I'm tired of it. I've seen it all. I've heard it all. I've been to, we've been to four counselors, and I'm done. People don't change. That's what she said. People don't change. That's her heart. And then we start talking, and I start telling her my story, how hard my marriage was for years, and how hard the work was, and some of the different way of pursuing marriage. That's not just this this one approach. And she started to get interested. She started to see. I started to see a little hope in her, actually. There. And then the husband said it. Now he's had a porn issue for years, and he said, "You know what? What if I? Is there software I can put on my phone?" And are you talking about a mood killer? She got so mad. She and she said this. I don't. I don't want to just restrain you. I want to see your heart change. You see it? Guys, it's not restraint. We don't just need internet software. We don't need a, just a reminder on our phone to love our spouse, right? Or take my date on uh, my, my kid on a date. No, guys, what we long for is for Jesus to change us. And, and if... If we're going to continue to see that, we got we got to pursue... What? How is evil taking... How is it weakening us as a body? Where is it taking us out? What has the Father called us to to see? And how can we bring about Jesus, his weakness to become strength in us more and more? So let's pray. Jesus, we long for heart change. We don't want restraint anymore, Lord. We break the shackles every time. Now, they're just not enough. And Jesus, no matter... I just pray for all of us, no matter where our story 's been, what we brought into this room, how bad it 's been, Lord, I pray that we would come into the light and we would come in to be seen by you, and that you would break the shackles, Lord, that you would break the, the grip that evil 's had on our hearts, and that you would set us free more and more through this through this death and, and resurrection, Lord that it would, it would happen in each of us, and even as we go to your table, I pray that we would meet you, Jesus, that we would see your face and we would see your mercy. And it would go deep in us and change us so that we could go and and tell the world about your mercy. We pray in your name. Amen.